0: On today's episode of the Blue Bloods, uh, Christmas has come and gone, and that can only mean one thing. We're getting into the meat of bowl season. That's right. It's the time that we all wait for as uh, college football fans, degenerates, whatever you want to call us. So on this episode, we have our pick six, uh, and that's going to include an interview with Chris Plank. He's back once again by popular demand, so get ready for that. We have first team all decade, and we're going to cap it off with our Blue Bloods All-American team. Uh, We've got two more positions to hit you with. So uh, we're going to go ahead and kick this show off. So to start today's show off, uh, we have our pick six. Uh, and the, our first game that we're going to cover is the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. And that is between Western Kentucky and Western Michigan. And Western Michigan comes into this one as a three-point dog. Listen, these are two teams that I don't know too much about at all. I mean, I've, I've seen them play, um, but I haven't been sitting here studying them. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit transparent here. But looking through the stats and looking through the games that these teams have played, it listen they're pretty impressive um to put up over 450 total yards a game for any team is incredible and one of these teams does that and i could not not mention that
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie to our listeners and say i have just been an avid you know western kentucky or you know like i have i don't think i've watched a single game from either of these teams i did catch a glimpse of of, I believe it was Western Kentucky that beat Arkansas. Am I correct on that? Yeah, you are. Yeah, but I don't know how much credit they get. I mean, do you give them any credit for that?
0: For that, no. Uh, for the rest of their schedule, yes, because they, I mean, they've played pretty well uh, so far this year. Well, I mean, the season's almost over, but they played pretty well this season. Uh, and they've played pretty well the past couple of seasons. I think they went, what well, they were 8-4 and four this year. But, like, for the past couple of years, they've been winning the Conference USA. Uh, I mean, things like that. and you know, while it is a group of five conference, it's not like they're, you know, it's not it's not like they're playing like D3 football, winning that. I mean, they're winning a division one football conference.
1: Yeah, uh, that's true. And I, I believe they went like 11 and one very recently. And, you know, they have a quarterback who was recruited by Auburn, Arkansas, and a lot of these SEC programs and Todd's story. Um, he has not had the, you know, most outstanding year or anything like that. But, I mean, he's been consistent, doesn't turn the ball over a lot. But he has a strong running game to, you know, bail him out when he's not on point. And so – and if really and truly this game will come down to defenses, and I think Western Kentucky's defense is elite uh, – not elite, but elite compared to Western Michigan, who's giving up over 400 yards per game.
0: Yeah, but when you're giving up almost 400 yards a game, you have to be able to answer that with something. This team's 7-5. That's not a terrible uh, record. You know, it's not great. But, I mean, the reason they've been able to keep up with this record is because they are putting up nearly 460 uh, yards a game. I mean, that's insane. Not only that, but almost 35 points a game. While their defense is a little shaky, you know, giving up 414 a game, I mean, they have some firepower on offense.
1: That's, that's very, very true. But, I mean, uh, I would think Western Kentucky's schedule is a little bit harder. I mean, just looking at, you know, let's say the last five games, I mean, you have Marshall, what was just a small three-point loss against Western Kentucky. You play FAU, who won the Conference uh, USA, only an only 11-point loss there. And then you play Southern Miss and Arkansas on the road and beat both of those teams by double digits. I, that's that's pretty stout and yeah, you know this, the lot
0: that's apples to oranges i mean they they play in different conferences
1: yeah i mean true but i mean i think wins over southern miss and arkansas are a lot more impressive than wins over bowling green and ball state
0: uh, have you have you watched Maxion? because that overtime have, you know, was impressive i loved you, it
1: you, you know what i have actually seen bowling green play in person because I was at the Kansas State Bowling Green game. And I promise you, Brandon, me and you would start on that team.
0: You promise? You swear? I,
1: I, I swear I'd put the podcast on it. That That is a fact, son.
0: Listen, we're not a video podcast, but if you could see me and Zach, you'd be concerned. Um, there's no reason we should play on any Division One football team, uh, let alone <laughs> any football team. So
1: that That is also very true, guys. But – Looking at this game, I think Western Kentucky is the more consistent team. They're more balanced. They have an offense that's putting up almost 400. I mean, they're close to being there. And a the defense that's allowing under 350. But then on the flip side, you have an explosive Western Michigan offense that literally has not a single lick of defense, dude. I mean, literally a wet paper bag offers more resistance wet in this defense.
0: Bag. That's tough. You, you and your sayings, dude. Is that something that people say? Uh, I, I know you've heard that one.
1: Now you're just messing with me. No, they, I, no like, I there's. <laughs> haven't. You haven't heard that the dude couldn't punch his way out of a wet paper bag, like he has weak up. punches. He Facts.
0: Facts. Nah, Zach. Zach is from um, a part of the country that uh, we can only refer to as the Boondocks. So, bro, you
1: were born in Mississippi.
0: I don't want to hear a <laughs> single thing. <laughs> yeah, that's neither here nor there.
1: Um, <laughs> it's that is not western Kentucky or western Michigan
0: <laughs> right uh anyway uh I don't know there's just something about this I mean, western Michigan is a three point dog they're plus one forty in the money line, you know me, not a big gambler uh never, but I don't know something about that's just screaming to me, like they have to score enough points to win this game
1: yeah uh that's I'm not gonna i'll, I'll give you that, but uh I think Western Kentucky. You know, I really, I really just see like what bowl game was it? The Bahamas Bowl. Yeah, um, that we got right. Defense travels. Defense will travel. Western Kentucky's taking this game. Um, I mean, this game's all the way down in Texas, so I don't think either fan base is traveling.
0: Okay, here's the thing: you got the defense will travel uh, thing. That's a basketball thing. That is a basketball thing. But I think yeah, it's a basketball team sit- too. Uh, well, yeah, but that was just you assuming that it could work in football. No, I, mean, I, I like because, where your mind's at. Because, but. No,
1: okay, so he, hear me out. You're on the road, right? Right. When is the crowd the loudest and could affect your team the most negative? I mean... When you're on offense, correct? Well, yeah, sure. That's when home field advantage plays the biggest role. So what is more likely to travel in college football?
0: Uh, Both teams who have to move Who have to go to Texas Oh Jesus Christ Okay
1: But whatever You guys get what I'm saying Brandon's You know Being closed minded Like
0: you know People from Mississippi are Wow Wow! Yeah, I well, had to go well, there. Sorry, guys. I mean, if you're from Mississippi, then Zach hates you. I guess
1: <laughs> we have a lot of listeners in Mississippi, so I love you guys. I'm just messing, yeah, just whatever. messing. But I'm, sure. I'm taking Western. I'm taking Western Kentucky in this one. I guess it's outright because Western Michigan. Oh no, Western Kentucky's a three-point favorite. Yeah, what are you taking? I think they co- I think they cover. What I think Western Kentucky covers. <laughs> they win by seven.
0: All right. I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I'm just going to ride with Western Michigan and see what happens. Uh, three-point dogs. <laughs> they win outright. So let's go ahead and move on to our next matchup. We have the, listen, the, it's the Music City Bowl, but it's also the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. Um, ridiculous name, ridiculous sponsor. In case you want a mortgage, I guess, yeah, if you're going to this ball game. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who that's for. Who Who's just seeing the name of this and being like, you know what? I couldn't a mortgage.
1: And in case you guys are wondering, you know, we've been covering these bowl games in order of when they're happening. We flipped it up on you. This is a big episode because you guys know the playoff games start tomorrow and we these games will be on Monday, but we wanted to save the best games for last. So check both of these games out on Monday, the 30th.
0: Yeah. So this game's in Nashville. Um, they're playing it at the Titan stadium, uh, Nissan stadium, I guess. Uh, and Louisville is a four-point dog to Mississippi State, so maybe the world—the world is just not making a lot of sense to me right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I don't know. Well, okay, so we're, we're we are recording this episode on Thursday. This will come out Friday, uh, Friday at midnight. Um, so Brandon, you've kind of paid attention to Mississippi State football. They have Garrett Schrader, who's a true freshman, guy with the big beard,
0: yeah, like the Amish beard, playmaker
1: for playmaker. All Amish. Yep, and then you have uh, Tommy Stevens, graduate transfer from Penn State. Two, if if you've watched Mississippi State play all year under Garrett Schrader, this team is significantly better.
0: And for those of you who haven't watched Mississippi State all year, Garrett Schrader is the one. Um, who are they even playing? He did the helicopter. He tried to jump oh, over Kansas a guy. State.
1: Yeah,
2: Kansas he, got, State. he got
0: smacked by that Kansas State player, and didn't he helicoptered? So yep, and now you know. He,
1: yeah. But, I mean, um, Brandon will vouch for me on this one. Garrett Schrader should be the quarterback of the future for this team.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, Tommy Stevens didn't do well with Penn State, so why should he have a chance with the Mississippi State? <laughs> exactly. But,
1: so the reason I'm bringing that up, as right before we were filming, it was announced that – that um. Garrett Schrader got into a fight with a teammate and had had multiple bones in his face broken and will not be able to play.
0: (laughs) Dude, He straight up broke his face. Are you kidding me? You're telling me that you got in a fight with your teammate? Oh, this needed to be the storyline. We're doing it right here. Yep. You're telling Um, me that you are going to get so upset with your team's quarterback that you are going to literally ruin his face
1: right before a bowl Uh game? Oh, and you want to hear the better thing? He take was Louisville not suspended.
0: What? Well, maybe maybe it was maybe he deserved it.
1: Yep. So I'm taking Louisville by, by well, Mississippi State's a four and a half point favorite. Louisville yeah. could be a four and a half point favorite. I'm taking Louisville by twenty in this game.
0: I'll be a little more realistic. I'll take Louisville by at least ten points. This Louisville team's not bad. They can score, and we're not talking about, you know, it's, this isn't similar to the last matchup. We have one team with a good offense, one team with a good defense, um, you know, and and the other team with no defense and, you know, vice versa, whatever. Uh, we're talking about both teams who have pretty – I mean, they're both putting up over 400 yards a game, and their defenses are just both awful. So we're going to get a lot of points in this one, the over-under 63. I say smash that over. I, you know, that's just me feeling lucky, but um, you know, Louisville wins this game by at least ten, but it's gonna be like it's gonna be like fifty two to forty one.
1: Yeah, and a player to watch here is Colin Hill. Uh I would say okay, this is gonna be a bold statement, I guess. Um I would say top two running back in the SEC.
0: He's a very um, good running back. I don't know if I'd say top two in the SEC, but
1: Dude, if you put that kid on Bama or Georgia...
0: Oh, it would be over with, yeah. But he yeah, doesn't but, play for those teams. He doesn't have a no line
1: I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, he still put up 1,400 yards on Mississippi State's... With Mississippi State's talent around him. Right. Okay. I mean, bro, come on. And he was the leading rusher until, uh, I think, week seven? Like, in the country? No, in the SEC. Oh, I was about yeah, to say in the SEC, and then I think he got hurt and missed a few weeks. So I mean, this kid had a heck of a season, and you know, but Louisville has a stud running back too. Um, you know, fifteen, almost fifteen hundred yards and eight touchdowns.
0: Yeah, Jamie I mean, Hawkins, that, is his name.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is this game is going to come down to who can run the ball because. I mean, Mississippi State is going to have the worst quarterback on their roster start this game, and I just I don't see how they get it moving because Tommy Stevens is not as good a quarterback as Cunningham for Louisville. I mean, no, for close.
2: Louisville,
1: I mean twenty touchdowns and five interceptions, and Tommy Stevens can barely even get the get a first down. I think this might get extremely ugly for uh, Mississippi State. And Joe Moorhead, this is just my bold prediction, hot seat next year. If he does not, you know, make a bowl game or win over seven games, really, I think he's gone.
0: I mean, I don't see how you go from Dan Mullen to – I mean, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a ridiculous uh, transition there. You know, I don't know who thought he would do well. Um, I mean, if you look through Mississippi State's uh, – I mean, their schedule, you know, the first two games were against UL, uh, that's uh, Louisiana Lafayette, and Southern Miss, and, and they won those games. Um, you know, they, they, they played a little bit close. Those were when Tommy Stevens played. Then Tommy Stevens got smacked by Kansas State. And I say smacked, it was a seven-point game, but if you watch that game, it should not have been a seven-point game. Um, he gets hurt in that game, right? Is that yep. right? He gets hurt Tommy in that Stevens game. Garrett Schrader steps up to the plate. He starts, like, I mean, he starts with the next like five or six games. Um, Tommy Stevens comes back for the Arkansas game, wins that game, loses to Bama. Dude, why did he play three games in a row? He lost to Bama, beat Abilene Christian, but he hasn't played well. Zach's right. I mean, that's the point we're trying to get across. So, um, I don't know. It's just – and he has to play again because <laughs> – the starting quarterback's face got smashed by his own teammate. Do you know who that yeah, was?
1: Um name? it was he was the starting defensive back. Uh do not remember his That's name now. Tough. Um That's tough. Um, but yeah, he uh is not getting suspended though. Uh, uh I don't you so here's what I'm saying. Okay. What me we've all me and Brandon both play football. Who is the most protective player on the team? Uh quarterback. Dude, you can't even hit him in
0: practice, correct? Like, just like legally. Yeah, you can't. Hit, I mean, that's why they have a different color jersey. And then just in the locker. Well, they probably weren't even in the locker room. Oh,
1: wow. Um, so it was Willie Gay, the starting uh, outside linebacker, okay. who is projected with the NFL. But Gay has been suspended for fighting and academic fraud before. There and for go. this, he was not suspended.
0: That's, tough. That's hilarious, actually. I mean, he must he's graduating, huh? Or not graduating. Yes, he's going to the draft. I think, he's got, I think he's going to the draft, yeah. I mean, he might be graduating. I'm not saying, like, yeah, he can't graduate. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to the draft. Um, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they just didn't want to mess that up for him. But, I mean, if you don't want to mess that up for him, why come out with a press release saying, hey, he smashed the starting quarterback's face?
2: yeah.
1: Uh, 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 I, I really don't know, dude. It is Mississippi State. Since Dan Mullen has left, nothing good has happened for this team.
0: Yeah, I know we don't, haven't done dumpster fires in a while, but um, yeah, th- this is fine. If, the,
1: if, if there was a dumpster fire – well, no, Mississippi State was my dumpster fire twice this year. Well, third time's the charm, I guess, this is Yeah. this there you guys go, and you know I watched two full games of Mississippi State. Well, I've watched a lot of Mississippi State games, just not from kickoff to end. Watched the entire K State game and the entire Auburn game. In case you guys know, Brandon, how bad did Bo Nix struggle toward the middle of the season? It, it was pretty tough for him. He had his season high in yards and touchdowns in that game. Auburn scored was in the lead, forty-nine to six at halftime.
0: Mississippi State not good at football right now. You know, we're, not anyone, good at football. I don't think anyone's denying that.
1: But Joe Moorhead, hot seat, Louisville by a thousand. Go bet Mississippi State I, and bet now because when this episode comes out, I would bet Louisville's the favorite since after this, you know, news of of a suspension is coming.
0: Yeah, I mean, the they're like, I mean, I can't believe that they're that they're that big of underdogs. I mean, four points that's a lot.
2: Yeah, that's a.
1: A bit for you know Tommy Stevens playing quarterback, yeah, no joke,
0: all right, so let's go ahead and move on. um we have the Camping World bowl, which they I guess they just said, you know what we don't need a name for this bowl, we just need a sponsor, so uh, <laughs> we ha- we have the bowl um sponsored by Camping World, and in this game, we have Notre Dame or number fifteen Notre Dame uh playing Iowa State, and Notre Dame is a three and a half point favorite in this one I don't know i. I thought maybe they should be a little bit more of a favorite. I'd probably give them at least five, maybe six. Um, I, I know I understand that Iowa State's you know a pretty decent football program this year, but Notre Dame has impressed me. You know, other than that Michigan game, they've impressed me.
1: Yeah, so Notre Dame's two losses are to Michigan and uh, Georgia, Georgia. Yeah. and both on the road. Yeah, both on the road. So they lost in the Big House and Sanford Stadium, which are two of the hardest places to play in the country. And Iowa State comes in losing three of their last five.
0: Three of their last five. I mean, we're talking to Kansas State. Oklahoma's a good team. Oklahoma State's a good team, but but I mean,
1: that, but that's Oklahoma State without Spencer Sanders, I believe, and without Tylen Wallace.
0: Yeah. So that's, that's at tough. home. That's real tough.
1: At home. And they got lucky. That's a good
0: thing. But. Yeah,
1: and they got lucky to escape Texas.
0: Yeah, they really did.
1: And, and then you have, you know, Notre Dame on the flip side, who since their one-point win over Virginia Tech has been murking teams.
0: I mean, I mean and their most impressive win by far has been that win over Navy. They beat Navy oh, and that, that, to 20
1: And that defense, I mean – suffocated the triple option i, I believe you know we covered that game in our pick six and
0: they forced what four or five fumbles it was crazy. that game i mean it was it was something I mean, I mean totally unexpected by both of us i mean navy was a good football t- i think they went they went 10 and two didn't they yes yeah they went 10 and two 10 so.
1: and they and they have a game coming up uh very recently in our next episode against k-state and have a chance to get to 11 wins
0: I think they have 11 wins because they beat Army, but they have a chance to get. The oh, 12.
1: that's true. 12. That's, that's wild.
0: Yeah, insane. That's for, wild. But I, I mean, mean, I mean, for the for Notre Dame to beat Navy the way they did, that, I mean, that's a. It, it sounds crazy saying that's a statement, but it's a statement this year. Navy was a good is. team. Um, I mean they they beat BC. I mean, they beat Boston College, and Boston College is not an awful team. You know, I, I know. I'm, I'm going to sound stupid, kind of sitting here defending Boston College and I'm saying that they're a decent team, but they really are a decent team this year. Um, yeah. Stanford, you know, not great this year, but I mean, had they had their problems. Yeah. I mean they, but they, I mean, they put the gas pedal down on them, beat them 45 24. All I'm saying is that this, this Notre Dame team has looked impressive. I mean, if you've watched them, they look good. Um, and they're not sitting here playing nobody. You know, yeah. they, they mean, have a legitimate schedule.
1: That's a fact, and dude, this this team has everything, man. Their offense is averaging four hundred and thirty yards per game. Ian Book is a future NFL quarterback. I know there's some people that are going to give me pushback on that. That is a fact, guys. I'm sorry. And then he has a huge target in Clayton uh, Claypool. You know, almost a thousand yards receiving, twelve touchdowns, dude. That is insane. And their defense is suffocating. Um, you know. Uh, there's future NFL players on this defense. There's future NFL players on this offense. Brian Kelly is tired of being disrespected. And this defense is only given up about 300 yards per game and only 18 points per game. I think this team is going to want to get to 11 wins because they are tired of hearing the national media create this narrative that Notre Dame is not elite.
0: Right. Um, I think what they're going to need to do in this game though, I think Ian book's going to have to rely on his arm uh, more than his legs. You know, we, we know that Tony Jones Jr., Notre Dame's running back, can't really get it done on the ground, or at least he hasn't this season at <laughs> this point. So, um, and, and that combined with, with Iowa State's rush defense is just going to be insane. Impossible. Because, yeah, impossible. I mean, they're holding they're holding teams to 140 yards a game, which, you know, that's a lot. But, I mean, between a couple of different running backs and with the amount that, that Ian Book uses his legs usually – he's going to have to do something. He's going to, to sit back in the pocket and just let it fly.
1: Yeah, I mean, but Ian Books has almost 3,000 yards passing, 33 touchdowns and six interceptions, and yeah. Iowa State's pass defense is allowing almost 230 yards per game. And no. they're
0: allowing uh, – they're, they're, allowing, they're allowing 318 yards a game. Yep. Yeah, Iowa State? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not, that's not true. It's 230.
1: Yeah. yeah, it was 230 passing yards allowed, and – you know, Ian Book can ball, son. If, if if you give him time to pick you apart and he gets in that rhythm, the kid is elite. And, I, okay, Notre Dame's a three-and-a-half point favorite, guys. I'm taking Notre Dame by 20 to 30 points in this game.
0: Zach, Zach is out here with the outlandish takes today. I love it. Um, that's usually me. I'm going to be the voice of reason here, and I'm going to stay consistent with what I said during the last game. I think they win by 10. Uh, or maybe 14 I'll go two touchdowns I'll go Notre Dame wins by two touchdowns in this one three and a half points is ridiculous they're going to I mean put it
1: down on Iowa State well if you guys listen to our bowl preview episode like when we just picked our bowls like uh like superlatives for bowl games this was my biggest blowout potential game um and I think it's gonna happen. you know, if you guys listen to our what first ever episode, I said Ian Book was going to wind up in New York. He did not, but thirty-three touchdowns, six interceptions, almost three thousand yards is not a bad season.
0: No, I mean that's that's fantastic.
1: That's that's pretty um, solid. And and really and truly, if one play goes different in, against Georgia, this team's in yeah. a New York a New Year six. And I don't think they have the performance they had against Michigan if one play goes different against Georgia and they have that momentum.
0: No, they're they're definitely more determined. Um, uh, I mean, they came into they came into uh, the big house looking scared, but uh, you know, and I think you're right. Well, I, don't, I don't think well, it's and,
1: and I think the first ever hurricane that hit Michigan hit <laughs> during that game because
0: holy hell, did it rain that game? Yeah, it did. It was insane. Um, let's go ahead and move on. We have the Cotton Bowl or the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. I do like that they put classic at the end of this game. Because um, it is a classic. Wow. Well, yeah, I guess you could say that. Uh, the Cotton Bowl, that's legendary, my guy. Yeah, but we're not talking about like, Rose Bowl right now. Oh, God.
1: Uh, dude, okay, I'm sorry, guys. I have a soft spot for the Cotton Bowl. I don't know why. Uh, I've always liked this game. I'm pissed it's at 11 o'clock. I, I loved it when it was mid-afternoon or night game. But I do have a soft spot for the Cotton Bowl. I I, I guess it's my guilty pleasure is I think the Cotton Bowl is one of the higher-tier bowl games, which it is. I mean, it's a New Year's Six Bowl, but I think it's grossly underrated.
0: All right, Zach, whatever you say. Uh, We have Memphis (laughs) and Penn State in this one. Um, And this is a matchup that, listen to me when I say this, people are wrong about. Um, Everywhere you look, or everyone I talk to at least, has been like, I can't believe Memphis gets to play, or I can't believe Penn State gets to play Memphis. And I guess maybe I'm just talking to people who haven't really watched college football this season because Memphis is not a team to look over. I mean, they're a very good football team this year. Um, and Penn State to me is, I mean, they're a top 10 team, but I don't know that they deserve to be.
1: Dude, okay. Well, hear me out. If I told you a team was 10 and 2 losses to minnesota on the road and ohio state on the road by combined 16 points would you say that's not a top 10 team
0: okay well let's go ahead and talk about this then um they beat rutgers 27 to 6 i guess a three touchdown game but it's rutgers we look at everybody else who's played rutgers and it's a blowout then they kind of do that um I mean, they beat Iowa 17-12, to Michigan 28-21. I mean, they're edging teams out. It's not like they're sitting here dominating. They beat Indiana
1: 34-37. to Dude, Indiana had two losses coming into that game.
0: Okay, Zach. But are you going to sit here and defend Indiana like, they're, like they deserve to? They were 8-2, to... and, and they were about to be ranked. What do you mean? What do you mean, what do I mean? It's Indiana. Did you watch Some them play this season? Dude, Minnesota, should,
1: Minnesota was the top 10 team this year, but you're saying just because they're Minnesota, they didn't deserve it?
0: No, I, no, I just, no, are you joking? No, I'm talking about Penn State, the team that I've watched that has played. I mean, they don't look good. They look uh, good. They don't look great.
1: Dude, take away Sean Clifford. This team's elite.
0: Yeah, but the problem is that they have Sean Clifford. That's a fact. I'll give you that one. And on paper, Sean Clifford doesn't look terrible, but then you watch him in game. Cool. He, okay, he's he's Kirk Cousins, and it bothers me so that's much. That's so gross. That's disgusting.
1: Because Kirk Cousins, decent quarterback, but on is he going to win you the game?
0: He's going to win you the game. He's not going to win you the season.
1: Monday night game, because he's 0-9 on Monday night games, but he's that's another story. That. That, that's for our future NFL podcast, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, I... <sighs> It's the the thing that gets me. I think Penn State's defense is good enough to stifle Memphis. That's it. But um, their
0: offense. I mean, I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't know. This Memphis offense is overpowered.
1: I mean, they're good. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm I'm here for it. But I think Penn State has enough NFL talent on that defense to hold Memphis to way, way below their forty point a game average. And I think this game stays in the high 20s, and I think Penn State wins it.
0: I think the only reason that Penn State can win this game is because of K.J. Hamler and their defense. You know, I think if their defense comes in and and can actually stop this Memphis team that's averaging more than 40 points a game, and K.J. Hamler just goes – I mean, he's going to have a crazy game. He always does. But, I mean, he has to have a touchdown. He has to have, I mean, close to 100 yards receiving to win this game.
1: I think this defense is just stingy enough to do it, dude. I think they're going to pull off a few interceptions, a few four like for, for just force a few turnovers, man. Because I think the Penn State deep. So you know, you look at Brady White and you think this is just a you know running gun deep uh, offense to just air raid attack. Um, Gainwell for Memphis, the starting running back has almost fifteen hundred yards, man. It's insane. Th- yeah. This is a balanced attack. And I mean, if you look at you know, if you look at their per game average, they have they, they're over almost over two hundred yards in both passing and rushing. Yeah. And I you know, Penn State's only allowing ninety seven yards a game rushing. I think they could shut that down. And I don't think Brady White has the talent to pick this defense apart through the air. Yeah.
0: Uh, that's that's debatable. Um one thing I will say, and you know, don't don't you know, don't form your opinions based off of what we say. I don't think anyone is, but If you are, then stop in your tracks. Uh, But I will give you guys a little bit of advice. And that advice is that right now Memphis is plus 230 on the money line. I say take that. You know, if you don't want to do that, then take them plus seven um, because this is going to be a close game. Um, And the over-under for this one is 60.5 points, and there is no way it gets even close to that because Penn State just cannot score.
1: And I think Penn State's defense is too good. Memphis isn't gonna score of score forty points.
0: So I understand that you see that 60 and a half points and you were tempted because it's Memphis playing. Don't do it. I know you want to. I know what you're thinking. If you're listening to this podcast, I know that you want to take that over. Do not. Don't do it. I'm your voice of reason right now. Take the under, win some money. Have a good have a good new year.
1: There you go, guys. Um I just I agree with that, but like you said, I I, I do think KJ Hambler is the X factor, but he's got to be, he's got to be more explosive than all the playmakers that Memphis has because Memphis has playmakers in every position. Sean Clifford, the difference in the game is going to be turnovers. Brady White's going to make too many. Sean Clifford doesn't really turn the ball over. I'm going Sean Clifford and Penn State over Memphis by seven. I hate doing this. It's going to be a push game. Seven point win for the Nittany Lions.
0: Listen, and I know that I've already mentioned this about CD Lamb. Um, I said that I thought that he should have won the Blitnikoff. Uh, I think that, I mean, I think he's the best wide receiver in the country. KJ Hamler's up there, and I mentioned that CD Lamb didn't win it because of his quarterback. KJ Hamler didn't even get close because of his quarterback. Yep. Uh, if he has, I mean, if he has Joe Burrow passing to him, uh, this guy I would have put up, I'm talking insane numbers. He didn't even have 900 yards on the season. But, I mean, if he had – I mean, if he had a great quarterback or even a good quarterback passing to him, this guy breaks – this guy probably breaks 1,400, 1,500 yards.
1: Um, Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, uh, Sean Clifford's leaving this year, right? Or no, I think he has one more year. One more year. Um, Please get this kid a
0: quarterback. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Please, he needs it. Um, It's not even a joke anymore. Please. He's a sophomore. He he's got at least he's got one more good season in him. Give him give him a quarterback, Penn State. Okay, let's go ahead and move on. Uh, we have the Fiesta Bowl or the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, whatever. It's the Fiesta Bowl and it's the college football playoff semifinal game between Clemson and Ohio State. And this game, this is going to be the game on Saturday that you need to watch. If you can only watch one game, watch this game.
1: That's a fact. I mean, dude, sell your girlfriend for some cable. I don't care. <laughs> this is the game. You got to watch ESPN, uh, the app on everything. Go buy you a Roku stick. I don't care what you got to do. S- steal your neighbor's Wi-Fi. A Roku, wifi. Stick. A Roku <laughs> stick. Or you go, you know, if you're bougie, go to an Amazon Fire TV, whatever. Get an Apple TV. Facts. I mean, those are expensive, dog. We're talking, um, talking about
0: rich people here.
1: Yeah, no kidding. But if you listen,
0: to this you are not rich. That's just that's a
1: fact. <laughs> that's a fact. Um, you know, Clemson's a two-point favorite, and I mean that's about as for a neutral-site game, man. That is about is. Uh, it's pretty much a pick'em game at this point. Um, you know, uh, over under sixty-three. uh, there's no way, right?
0: No. These the thing is, this game isn't going to make sense. Um, I don't, I think, I think that goes under, but I don't know. I don't know because both of these defenses, these teams are the same by the way. Good God. They're the same. We've got, we've got both defenses allowing. (laughs) Okay. Uh, are you looking at a Zach? uh yeah i've uh, I've already looked I'm that get it. you to guess it kind of sucks okay anyway we've got Clemson uh holding teams to foot oh, sorry two hundred and forty <laughs> four uh yards a game, and we've got Ohio State holding teams to two hundred and forty seven yards a game now, i mean those are that's that's three yards apart that's insane and then we have Clemson uh racking up four five hundred and forty seven uh, yards a game with two Ohio State's 531. Um, it's just this – they have great offenses and great defenses, and that's – I don't know. I I mean, this game was so hard for me to pick.
1: Yeah, um, this wasn't a hard game for me to pick, uh, as crazy as that sounds. Um, oh, God. Are y'all ready for the h- hottest take of this entire podcast in the history of, like, the Blue Bloods? Hit me. Clemson wins this game by 14 or more. Really? Really? It's not even going to be close. You think? Oh, dog. They're, gonna, they're about to smack Ohio State.
0: <laughs> Clemson's a two-point favorite in this game. Um, Dude, They. Uh, I. I, I part of me
1: says 20 or more. But I'll go 14 just but, to be I mean, conservative. What's
0: making you think that?
1: Okay, you ready? Yeah. What? Okay. What is more dangerous than the most talented team in the country being disrespected, pissed off and having more bullets and more board material than any team in the country?
0: Nothing. And I want to talk Nothing. About okay, that. okay. Okay. I want okay. To talk. Hang on.
1: Hang on. Time out we'll come right back to that. Second. Justin Fields has said this week he was not healthy. There have been days he can't practice because of his knee.
0: Yeah, I mean he, he's been he's been beat up for sure this season. Not nah, great.
1: Okay. Third. I got five. There's there's five wow, bullet points. Five points. Zach is
0: writing a thesis right now.
1: Dude, third. Well okay. have you, how many how many games of Clemson have you watched?
0: Uh somewhere between four and five.
1: A good it's a good bit.
0: Yeah. On average, how many on
1: average, how long does Trevor Lawrence hold the ball? Uh not long. Yeah, okay. I don't care how good a defensive pass rusher is. The best way to neutralize him, get the ball out of your hands. Is there a better quarterback in the country other than maybe Joe Burrow that, getting the ball out of his no, hands?
0: Nope, 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 nope.
1: None? Okay. Who ha- Out of these games, both teams have really talented wide receivers. Which team has – Three potential first-rounders in the next three years. Really, you could have just said which team has T. Higgins, and I would have exactly. With, yeah. And the crazy part is, Justin Ross would be the best wide receiver on Ohio State, and he's the third best receiver on this Clemson team.
0: Yeah, that's a, it's a. Those are all good that's, points.
1: Yeah, and um, I'm just here to say, can, is there a is there a coach a, a coordinator that if you give as long as Clemson has had to prepare for Ohio State. More Is there a better coordinator in the country than Brett Venables at game planning at stopping explosive offenses like this? No, nah, not even close. I mean, he embarrassed the greatest offense Alabama has ever had in the history of the school last year. This uh, yeah. is going to be a slaughter, and I'm just here to tell you.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, there were definitely points in time where I thought that you know, looking at this game, trying to analyze it and trying to try to find, trying to find out what I truly believed was going to happen was one of the hardest things I've done. Um, and to me, it was a toss up, you know, I kind of, I mean, both of these teams, like I mentioned, are very similar. Um, and something is just telling me that Ohio States can come into this game and pull it out. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. I mean, Justin fields I know Damn. he's not healthy. Um, and he is a big part of this team, you know, we're not going to sit here and act like it's all J.K. Dobbins. It's not, you know, uh, it is a lot of J.K. Dobbins, but it's a lot of this O-line too. Um, Justin Fields, this O-line is going to have to step up. Um, You know, I usually give the X factor on the team to a skill position. I'm going to have to give it to the whole O-line in this one. They have to keep Clemson's uh, defense out of the backfield because if they, I mean – and I could see it. I mean, I know you could see it. You could see Clemson being all in the backfield. Uh, Justin Fields goes down, gets hurt in the first quarter, and then from there it's over. Yeah. Or not not even hurt, or maybe he's just getting shaken up and he's kind of limping around, kinda of like the Michigan game. Um and he's he's just not himself,
1: you know. Um and I just I, I really just <sighs> watching the Wisconsin game. I think I really think it's going to be 21 nothing after the first quarter. It's going And I don't think I, Ohio State is going to realize that Clemson is not Wisconsin. And there's no there's no shutting Clemson out in the second half.
0: No, I mean, I, I agree with you there. Um, and like I said, this game was a toss-up for me. I really didn't know where it landed. Um, there's just something, and I, I, I really, if I could, I would. But I can't really explain it. I don't know. I I I don't know why I think that they're going to win. But so I, I, I win.
1: need I need to hear your thoughts on the bulletin board material.
0: My thoughts on the bulletin board material is that hearing Davos he come out every single week talking about how disrespected they are is the most annoying thing that I've ever heard. <laughs> I hate hearing him whine about that. You know, and, and I and it's so hard for me to say that because I like Davos. I mean, I think he's a good guy, but. Good God, this has made me just despise him the past
1: couple of weeks. That's fair enough. I mean, it's annoying, but
0: it's genius. I mean, he's getting his team fired up. I mean, that's what you do as a head coach. I get it. But, I mean, switch it up. Do something, you know. Maybe, maybe. Uh, listen, you know what would be terrifying is if he he didn't mention it at all. And people were like, how do you feel about your team being disrespected? He's like, what are you talking about? Like, if he just didn't phase him, that would be the scariest thing on the face of the planet. That's a fact.
1: Dude, okay, so I don't know. Justin Fields has 40 touchdowns and one interception this year. Insane. No way he leaves with one, right?
0: Uh, No, not against this Clemson defense. This Clemson defense is way too good. Uh, I think they have. Not
1: a chance.
0: I think they have at least one pick. I mean, it's at least one.
1: So, Brandon gave you his matchup to watch. I'll give you mine, and we'll wrap this game up. Um, I think it's going to be J.K. Dobbins versus Isaiah Simmons. Okay. In case you guys don't know, Isaiah Simmons won the Bernard oh, – what is the linebacker? I think it's the Benark. Um the best linebacker in the country award. Um, I could be completely botching the name of that, but he was the best linebacker, voted the best linebacker in the country. And JK Dobbins, you know, was up for the joke Walker. Whoever wins that matchup is going, their team is going to win because Isaiah. Isaiah, Isaiah, Oh man, this kid is so good, bro. He is one of the best linebackers I have ever seen play in my life. And you know, they're having 244 yards per game, man. That's just insane. And this kid can play middle. This kid can play outside. This kid could go wide as a cornerback. This kid could put his hand in the ground and be a edge rusher. I mean, dynamic. And I think they're going to have him keyed on J.K. Dobbins. And if J.K. Dobbins gets the best of them, Ohio State will pull this out. But I'm taking Isaiah Simmons over J.K. Dobbins. Clemson, uh, you know what? Screw it. By twenty one,
0: wow. Okay, uh, I guess we'll. Uh, I guess we'll see. I mean, and like I said, this game is it like seven o'clock on Saturday, right? Yep. Yeah. So LSU Oklahoma, yep. um, the Peach Bowl is on it at, at three o'clock. This game's on at uh, seven o'clock on ESPN. Make sure you tune in. If you if you can only yes. watch some of those games, watch, watch, watch the Fiesta Bowl. That's yeah. the game. And,
1: and you know what? How about this? This is this is the biggest pl- game of bowl season until the national championship. I need a score prediction from you, Brandon.
0: Need a score prediction. Okay. Uh we'll skip one from you too after me. Um wow, that's gonna be hard.
1: So I'll give you mine. I I know mine. That's why I already knew uh no, thirty five.
0: I don't need to be I don't need to be right. influenced by you. Um I'm gonna go twenty eight thirty one. Ohio state Oh,
1: I have 35, 14 Clemson. Wow.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, let's leave it there. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to our final matchup. Uh, we have the Chick-fil-A peach bowl. Um, you know, this is also a college ball semifinal game. This one's Oklahoma and LSU. We have an interview with Chris Plank to get to, but before that, we're going to go ahead and give our score predictions for this one. Um, since we're doing that, I guess. Uh, we didn't do that during the interview. We do talk about a lot of the game, so we're going to leave it to that. But we are going to leave you guys with a score um, with a score prediction for this one.
1: I'll go first since, you know, I put you on the spot last time. Right. I have LSU in this game. I don't know if they cover by 14. I have, This game, I have 42-31 LSU. Stop.
0: I actually had that written down, 42-31. I'm going to go <laughs> – I'm gonna go. In case you guys are
1: wondering, we are recording remotely. Me and Brendan have not seen each other the entire time of a break. I am in Alabama; he's in Louisiana. That that was not a thing. So apparently, we have the exact same score. Uh,
0: let's let's switch it up. I'm gonna go 44 to 34. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Uh, 45, 34. Uh, same score. I think they both kick one more field goal okay so, fair enough that's that, dude i'm
1: telling you guys this is why this is such a good podcast for us same wavelength
0: same wavelength all right so let's go to that interview with chris plank right now
1: okay guys and next uh we are joined by uh, chris plank we had him on earlier uh this season to uh preview i believe it was the oklahoma texas game the red river the red river shootout or whatever you want to call it nah, well he is back that's, that's problematic that true, uh, but he is back to preview the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl uh, between o- the Oklahoma Sooners and the LSU Tigers. So, uh, welcome back, Chris.
3: Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, last time I was driving. This time I am not, so uh, I feel a little. <laughs> I feel a little safe for this time around. <laughs> oh
1: great. man, I I do not blame you. So first, I got to ask. I didn't get to. I didn't get to run into you, but then, how worried were you about Oklahoma's season after leaving Manhattan?
3: Oh, um, immensely. I, I think that if you were to ask just about, you know, anyone that was uh, covering this team or anyone around the program or, or anyone that basically covered the Big 12, you, you kind of have this feeling that on that on that day in Manhattan, Oklahoma was exposed, right? You know, this is who they are. Their defense isn't improved. It's not any better. They're in big trouble. And uh, their offense can't move the ball unless it's – you know, a, a screen to CD lamb. And, you know, it's just, it was the sky is falling and understandably. So, and it, it's kind of wild looking back on it, two guys in that Oklahoma had just reached a mark. I, I want to say when they lost that game, what were they, were they six and Oh, or, or, seven maybe seven Oh, whatever it might've been. And they, they hadn't reached that plateau since like 2004, um, <laughs> if they had not, let me, I want to make sure I get this right. I think it was seven. Yeah. They were seven and oh. They hadn't been seven and oh since like 2004. And so there was a a completely different mindset because the defense had been playing better. You know, they had the nine sacks against Texas. Uh, They slowed down and shut down West Virginia the week before. And then they just got boat raced. I mean, they were getting destroyed against Kansas state. So I think there was some promise in that, you know, the Sooners had, had been through this before where they've, you know, they've lost a game, I think, going back for at least the last four or five years where they've been a double-digit favorite. So they, you know, they lost a game that they weren't expected to lose and uh, still found a way to get in the playoffs in, what, three of the last four years. And lo and behold, it happened again. But I would say of the previous three trips that they made, uh, the way that they rallied here in 2019 – uh, I would look at as the most unlikely because of everything that needed to happen. You needed Alabama to lose. You needed Utah to lose. Uh, you needed Oregon to lose and uh, everything just kind of fell into place for me. It was wild.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to lie. After that K-State games, I was there. Um, I took off work and went to that game. I was, I, I I remember going to the game, telling my friends who I went with that we could leave at halftime because I thought Oklahoma that, would be up by that much.
3: Well, if if you were there, so you saw it. It's wild to think how the final score isn't even indicative of how that game was. You know, I mean, it took not at all. It took an absolute furious rally for Oklahoma to even be in that conversation. So, uh, yeah, I I'll say I'll say it once. I'll say it a thousand times. To me, this is this is the most unlikely appearance that the Sooners have had in the four team playoff. Based on the way that uh, things went in their in their loss to Kansas State, I'm still I'm still kind of surprised that they're leaving next. Uh, what is it Tuesday to go to Atlanta? Still blows my mind.
1: Oh man, I, I, I'm not going to lie. We, me and Brandon, I remember recording the episode after the game, and we were both just <laughs> dumbfounded on how it that turned <laughs> out. Yeah, but before we get to the game uh, coming up, well, I, me and Brandon wanted to ask you. Um, you know, early are uh, the first day of early signing day just or first, second day just wrapped up. Um, What is your opinion on Oklahoma's recruiting class thus far?
3: Oh, it looks great. It's really – it's interesting because, I mean, first of all, most of the recruiting conversations got submarined by the report of the uh, suspensions. So that kind of slowed down everything with Ronnie Perkins and – Ramondre Stevenson and Trajan Bridges apparently uh, testing positive for weed and not playing but again there nothing confirmed yet but that report came about right in the middle of Lincoln rally's press conference guys uh, but in, oh, man. I, I don't think they're done yet you know they have a they have a really nice class i think it's top 10 right now which depending on whichever composite rankings you use they there's a lot of frustration because uh, there was a running back named Jace McClellan that had been committed to them since 2017. Uh, and this 2020 running back class was loaded with incredible talent uh, from, you know, from the state of Oklahoma. And then obviously just across the border, there were some incredible guys in Texas, but McClellan had committed so early that the Sooners kind of shut down recruiting running backs. And then lo and behold, you know, you're you're in a situation where a guy says, All right, I'm not coming, and you're stuck. You know, you don't, you don't have anything you can do. So the, the Sooners were in a tough spot because McClellan had de- basically decommitted the Monday night before signing day. So, oh, uh, yeah, they're in a tough spot as far as that's as that was concerned. But, you know, they their class was pretty much done by noon. Um, they, they, they had everyone in that they wanted or that they needed. And then, you know, the next thing you know, they, they end up adding to it. They, they apparently have this Joshua Eaton kid that's a cornerback that looks pretty impressive he didn't sign you know the the grime the reggie grime saga was a little bit confounding because here's probably their biggest commit at the defensive line position and he was going to sign and then he says wait i'm going to wait till february but everyone seems to be on board with it Uh, they don't have a quarterback in this class but there's rumors that chad morris's kid chandler morris could end up at oklahoma so you know they they've got um they have a really impressive class from the perspective of filling needs. You know, they had to get some guys in the interior of the defensive line. They got some JUCOs that I think can help them out. But, you know, their class is just going to continue to get better. And we'll see what they do to help shore up that running back spot, if they even go and get someone else. And we'll uh, we'll kind of see what's next to that quarterback position because they don't have a quarterback in this class right now. Though Brock Vandergrift, who's considered to be the top recruit in 2021, has already committed to him. So it'll be interesting.
2: Oh yeah,
1: for sure, and I think I think uh, I, you mentioned the junior college uh, defensive tackles. I think Perry and Winfrey was the like number him. one junior college junior yeah. college player in the country, if I'm not mistaken. And they pulled him out, and I was I was shocked to see that. And then I think an underrated player is Kendall Dennis, that the cornerback out of Florida. Uh, I think he was projected to go to Clemson at one point, and somehow ended up at Oklahoma. I, I think that was a huge pull for. The, the oh, Sooners on that one. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, no. I, I agree with you 100%. It's kind of funny because on my local show today, I said I said the exact same thing. And, you know, keep in mind, Dennis was a guy whose letter of intent they didn't get until later in the day. So Lincoln Riley held his meeting with the media at like 1130 Central Time, and they didn't end up getting Dennis's letter of intent until much later. Uh, let me throw a couple of other names at you. Keep it, Justin Harrington. 6'3", 197-pound safety. This is a guy that fits right into the kind of body type and the kind of player that uh, Alex Grinch wants. I think he's a pretty big get. Andrew Rain was the top offensive line recruit in uh, Oklahoma, and the Sooners have been on him since, oh, my gosh, since uh, day one. Uh, Bryson Washington is another big kid, 6'2", 196, in the defensive back position that I think is uh, going to be pretty impressive. Uh, but Marvin Mims broke every single receiving record that there was for Texas high school football. Uh, And I think once uh, you know, we'll see, he can do either he can go inside or outside. So we'll see if he's in that outside room with Dennis Simmons, or if he's in that inside room with assistant coach, Kale Gundy, I think, uh, I think it's a really nice class. And I think it's kind of showing how they're able to bring some playmakers in on the defensive side of the football too.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, So I'm going to ask a question that I guess everyone is kind of wondering and how do you think that these suspensions for Oklahoma are going to affect them in the Peach Bowl?
3: Um, man, I, I'll tell you what. They're they are they're not playing – it's crazy. I mean, Ronnie Perkins really hurts. He's their best defensive lineman. He's their leading sacker. He's only a sophomore. He had just uh, – he's a man playing that position for them. So that's devastating, especially when you look at their – when you look at their depth, their backup is a freshman, a true freshman, a Marcus Strickland, not a redshirt freshman who's been around for a year, a true freshman. So, you know, they're going to ship some guys to the outside to kind of help that out if it's a uh, if it's a Jalen Redman or, I don't know, maybe a Leron Stokes. They have a guy named Isaiah Thomas uh, who had a sack in the Big 12 championship game. So that's, that's a gut punch. I don't know how you replace that for Oklahoma defensively. But to me, you know, they've, they've got – They've got a good running back in Kennedy Brooks, and Jalen Hurts is like having a running back back there. But I don't think they win that Big 12 championship game without Ramondre Stevenson. You know, he got him some big yards when they needed it and whenever things had bogged down, and Kennedy Brooks got hurt in that game. He got hurt late in that game, and Stevenson came on and really kind of carried the load for him. So, you know, Trajan Bridges was nice on special teams. He's a five-star receiver who had kind of embraced that role as he kind of learns through his freshman year, but I I don't think he was going to factor into the game plan very much with names like CeeDee Lamb and Lee Morris, but uh, you lose those, those two. I mean, Ronnie Perkins is just devastating for the defense. That's already paper thin uh, on the defensive line. And then, you know, Ramondre Stevenson for running back. You guys can appreciate this. So every year, Jay Bulware, the running backs coach at Oklahoma every year at the beginning of the season, we're always kind of talking about, man, that running back room is so deep, we're worried about guys transferring. And every year, man, I, I kid you not guys. He always says, you know, there's going to come a time when that depth is going to be tested. And boy, is it? I mean, oh, you, yeah. this season, this season started with Kennedy Brooks, Trey Sermon, uh, TJ Pledger, um, Marcus Major, who was a true freshman, had a – I feel like there's another name that I'm going to stay. Oh, for Madre Stevenson. Yeah, five guys in that room to start this season. Okay, well, Marcus Major is a freshman. You're hoping to redshirt him. He looks good when he gets an opportunity, but he gets hurt. So he's done for the year. Trey Sermon, so you're down to four. Trey Sermon uh, has either a torn ACL or, you know, a lower leg injury. He's done for the year, so you're down to three. Uh, T.J. Pledger actually had hand surgery earlier in the season – and uh, I think in the Kansas State game, he was the one that had the problem on the kick. You know, when they recovered the kick, he was the one that fumbled the kick near the sideline, oh, and he hasn't played hardly at all since then. But he was out and back in, so you got Pledger, Kennedy Brooks is their go-to, and now you've got Ramondre Stevenson who's out. You basically have two scholarship running backs going into this game, and one of them is your bell cow. The other one has like four carries this year, so it's kind of wild to see how that depth in the running back room is going to be tested because every single year you get to this point in the season and there's something that happens to where you're like, Oh, thank goodness we have that depth in that running back room, but it's definitely going to be tested. Right. For sure.
0: And that kind of leads into my next question. So, uh, I mean, with that depth that, I mean, that you're talking about with the, uh, with all the injuries with even with, uh, Ramondre Stevenson sitting out for Mm -hmm. this game. Um, so, just to mention the defenses for a second, both of these defenses are a little shaky to say the least. I'm not going to sure. say they're bad at all. I mean, but they're they're plagued with injuries. Uh, I mean, they're both allowing over 300 yards a game. Uh, anyway, uh, so the injury news about Clyde Edwards-Helaire yesterday, uh, LSU's running back, broke. Um, do you think that that gives Oklahoma's defense any sort of advantage in this game uh, with all the injuries you know to their defense? Do you think this injury for LSU's running back? Uh, maybe place their advantage in a way.
3: Sure. Um, and, but, but again, Joe Burrow still playing and right. I do have right. whenever, <laughs> whenever you talk about, and, and this was something kind of funny that the, the sooner defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch said yesterday <laughs> that he was talking about the wide receivers that LSU has. And he says, whenever you say, yeah, the Blitnikoff candidate and you have to stop and you say, well, which one, you know, right. because there's so many talented wide receivers that they have. I, I think it works in Oklahoma's benefit, you know, whether it with hammy or, or ankle or whatever he's yeah, dealing hamstring. with. Hamstring. Okay. Um, but again, I, I, I still think it's a pretty good situation that they have there, even though it's two freshmen behind them, but they're very talented freshmen. So right. I'm, I, I, I think that you're looking at a situation where, yeah, you, you have one of the studs that can't go. It, it's going to help you out a little bit, but you know, I've watched so much tape on LSU guys. And, yeah, uh, Alaire is pretty special. Uh, but the dude that makes it all hum is Joe Burrow. And, you know, he has Baker Mayfield-type escapability. That's who he reminds me of a lot um, and it, with, with the way that he moves around the pocket. And then he's got, like, a Sam Darnold arm. And then he's got mm-hmm. this kind of uh, personality like a Lamar Jackson. I mean, this I don't know if I've ever seen anything – from one year to the next and prove like he has. So, uh, yeah, I, I I think you lose your running back and that's going to hurt, but man, as long as, as long as Joe Burrow's back there, this team's got a chance to raise that skinny trophy.
0: Right. And this is just a little side note here. Uh, now we did write the first article about Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, being injured and sports illustrated took credit so we're kind of in a war what right yeah we're in a war with them right now so uh nice feel free to join but uh I mean, if not I understand
3: <laughs> oh gosh I'm in oh oh
1: man so uh you know you mentioned Joe Burrow uh I, I think there's no question that he's the best player in college football right now. Um uh, but what do you what do you think Alex Grinch and this defense of uh, this Oklahoma defense does to try to slow him down or do you even see a way that you can slow this offense down.
3: Yeah, um, you know it's kind of wild. I think that what LSU is doing offensively is is special, but again, they've seen high powered offenses before. They haven't been able to stop them, but they've seen them. So I've seen a I've seen a variety of different things. You know, does does Alex Grinch? I think this Oklahoma defense has been its most effective when they heat someone up. But Joe Burrow has shown a really good knack for being able to avoid pressure and to be able to create time in the pocket. I mean, I just rewatched Texas. That's why I was running a little bit behind. I was rewatching the Texas game, and you go back to the pass that basically sealed the deal in that game. I mean, he's in the air. I mean, he's airborne when he throws that football, Joe Burrow is. So, uh, he seems to be very adept at being able to read blitzes and being, a- being able to understand where they're coming from. So maybe they heat him up. I've also seen this Oklahoma team do the old drop eight, and they're not very – I mean, they've struggled with it. You know, they they drop eight, and they're still getting beat underneath consistently. So, I mean, I, I think you'll see a good mix. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm very impressed with LSU, but I think Alex Stritch is going to have a good game plan going in. I really do. And I think they feel pretty confident about their game plan. But I'm pretty sure Nick Saban felt confident about his game plan going in. I'm pretty sure Kirby Smart felt confident about his game plan going in. It's a it's a really really good football team, and it's going to take it's going to take a perfect game from Oklahoma defensively to do what they can to maybe force a couple of punts and hope their offense can uh, can generate some time of possession and not turn the ball over.
1: Really, yeah, you. Absolutely. I mean, you, you're going to have to keep the ball away from this offense because if LSU yeah. wins time of possession, I, this game could be really really ugly but you know before we let you go uh, is there any uh, is there a certain positional matchup that you think uh our listeners us the fans out here that should they should be paying attention to come the december 28th
3: stingley jr vcd lamb i think if if that's the matchup which I'm, i'll be interested to see if it is and you know what i mean if if oklahoma can't protect jalen hurts then you know, maybe that's not that big of a matchup, but I just it, I think anytime you see two guys that are going to play at the next level, and I I think Stingley Junior is one of the best corners I've seen this year. I mean, he's gone up against the best, and as a true freshman, I mean, holy smokes, how impressive to see! But C.D. Lamb's the best receiver I've seen in three years at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So you know, th- but then again, C.D. Lamb doesn't have Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield thrown to him. He's got Jalen Hurts, and Jalen's a guy that hasn't been afraid to tuck in and run. So. uh I think that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. You know, last year, CeeDee Lamb kind of had his coming out party against Alabama in a lot of people's eyes that hadn't really seen him. Um, he, he just – he was great. Unfortunately, the Sooners didn't get great until they fell behind 28 to zip in that game. Uh, and I think that's kind of a key here. You know, CeeDee Lamb versus Stingley Jr., what that matchup's going to be like. But then more importantly, um, Oklahoma versus the turnover, but I think is one as well too. You know, the Sooners, I think they're coming in at what, minus seven? Mm -hmm. on the season and turnovers and it just seems like they happen at the most inopportune times for them so uh, if Oklahoma can protect the football you know you go back their last their last five or six games that's that's where they've hurt themselves as turnovers and as long as they protect the football and get a few takeaways I think they have a chance to make this a fun uh December 28th showdown with LSU but if they turn the ball over there big trouble
0: right for sure um and I've got, I've got two more questions before I let you go. Um, my first question is with LSU and Ohio State jumping back and forth to that number one position, was there a team – I know Oklahoma wasn't in four until after uh, championship weekend. Was there a team <coughs> when the selection process was happening that you would have uh, liked to see play more in that, in that uh, semifinal game?
3: I think everyone kind of thought that uh, LSU would be a better matchup for Oklahoma just based on the fact that they saw LSU in Texas. The problem is right. that was the second game of the season in LSU. But um, I don't – you know what? I, I think most fans, if they would have rated him, uh, ranked him would have had probably LSU and, and, and Ohio State and then Clemson, 1-2-3. And maybe it would be inverse because maybe people just haven't seen Clemson enough to realize what they're doing. Uh, but I, I think the bottom line here is they wanted to get in. And right. honestly, when you start thinking about, you know, and, and this is such a dumb game to play, but I'll do it anyway. You know, with Jalen Hurts coming in, yeah, they felt well, but they, they didn't really know if this was going to, to roll on with the kind of quarterback that Jalen was perceived to be in Lincoln, as adjusted his offense. So I think for a lot of people, it's just a really nice surprise to be in. Uh, and they want to go down to Atlanta and have fun and see if they can't make something happen as an underdog this season. You know, they're they're not coming in as the team with the award winners. They're not coming in with a Heisman Trophy winner or a Blitnikoff winner or the Joe Moore Award winners. You know, they're coming in as kind of the underdog with really nothing to lose. So um, I don't think it really mattered. I think some fans uh, some fans would have much rather had LSU than anyone else, but I honestly think this was just a situation to where they said, all right, let's get in and see if we can't find that magic that had us sitting, you know, at 6-0. and uh, rolling into Kansas State and got us through down the stretch and some, you know, miraculous moments like against Iowa State and against Baylor. So, to me, it was just getting in more than anything else.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and with my last question, uh, I just want to see if you can give us a prediction for this game.
3: Yeah, uh, he, yeah I, I, how about this? And I know that this is quite the <laughs> homer take. No, I, I, I think whoever wins time of possession wins this game. I really do. And, and I don't think LSU is too concerned about time of possession. But, you know, Oklahoma hasn't played a team this year that has a more explosive offense, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just it, – it, it's not out there. Um, you know, and Baylor was able to jump out to their – what was it, 31-10 to 10 lead. It was, you know, two really, really pat turnovers in Oklahoma that put Baylor in great position. So, uh, to me, to me, I, I think the Sooners have a really good chance to control the football, control the pace but I'm not, I'm not ready to throw it out there that we're moving on to New Orleans. I I think this, I think this LSU team is something really special. And as far as the prediction, I just, I think you're going to get a great effort from Oklahoma and I think they're going to be motivated um, to go out and prove a lot of the naysayers wrong. You know, if you listen to some of the narrative out there, you would almost think that LSU is going to rest their starters uh, in order to get ready for the national championship game. But uh, Oklahoma's going to put up a good fight, man. Lincoln Riley's going to have a plan. And I think, uh, I think we're going to be in for a really fun game on December 28th. I think it, I think it's going to be one that people will be talking about for a while.
1: Yeah, I sure. agree. I, I I don't I don't think this is going to be another Clemson Notre Dame type game. I think I think well, there's oh there's <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I mean, no doubt, but I don't see a way LSU covers the 13th point spread at all. I, I really think this is going to come down to the fourth quarter because oh, I, I just what? don't see.
3: Let me say this one. Oh, I see a way where they can cover it, man. If, if you guys saw it, it first here in Manhattan. They're, I mean, if, if Oklahoma, if, if they get a case of the turnover bug, I mean, this – I don't think there's coming back from a three-touchdown hole against a team. I no, know definitely but, not. But, but I, I hear what you're saying, absolutely. I think, I think you'll see a little bit more from Oklahoma than what we got from Notre dame Clemson last year.
0: Yeah, for sure. And thanks for coming on again, Chris. Uh, If you want to, go ahead and uh, plug
3: whatever you want. No, you guys. Make sure people are listening to you. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, Give me a follow at Plank Show on Twitter. All I really tweet about is how bad the Oakland Raiders are and uh, consider football. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks so much for being patient with me. All right, thanks again. All right, see you guys. Thank
0: you, man. All right, so moving on from pick six uh, in our interview, we have our first team all-decade. This week we are going to, or well, this episode, I say this week, this episode we're going to hit tight end and linebackers. Um, So, this segment, if you haven't been keeping up, uh, this is, you know, we're coming to the end of the 2010s. We wanted to give you guys uh, our all American team, our first, you know, our starters uh, for, I guess, our all decade team for the 2010s. So, we've already hit a couple positions. We're moving on now. We've got tight end linebacker. Zach, I'm going to let you go ahead and kick it off. Who is your top tight end of the decade?
1: I'm going with Eric Ebron. All right, Out, I like of, it. out of North Carolina. Um, he was a top 10 pick by the Lions. He played from 2011 to 2014. This dude, over 100 career receptions, almost 2,000 yards, was averaging 16.1 yards per catch in his career. What? eight touchdowns um, you know that just insane dude I mean that's crazy right Um, you know uh, I just I don't think there was another tight end I mean he is uh, he was top 10 in receiving yards in the ACC for everybody in seventh in receptions
0: yeah that's insane
1: his senior year and he was top ten in the ACC in yards per reception his freshman year. Okay. I mean, I mean, the dude is a G. I mean, for a tight end to have almost two thousand yards and be averaging sixteen yards per catch, and for his career, is just outstanding. And you know, they don't. He doesn't have the gaudy touchdown numbers like, um, you know, like our wide receivers do. But a tight end, man, eight touchdowns in a career is pretty outstanding.
0: Yeah, I mean that's insane, um, especially and, in college. And if you know, college yeah. doesn't really use the wide receiver position the way that the NFL does. I mean, they don't quarterbacks don't really lean on their wide receivers as much. I guess is what I'm trying to get at.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And for playing for North Carolina when they used to not be very good, and for him to still put up these stats is outstanding. Because when when a player like this plays on a smaller, you know, not as talented team as this, he is keyed on so much more. Yeah, that's true. And and to have
0: 62 receptions in one year, that, that should not be allowed. It <laughs> should not be allowed. All right, so moving on to my pick. Uh, my pick for the top tight end of the 2010s, uh, I think you're going to be shook up a little bit. Um, I'm not sure, though. I have Tyler Eifert. Tyler Eifert from Notre Dame, um, obviously drafted by the Bengals, one of the best tight ends in the, uh, in the NFL right now. But – um, I mean, during his time at Notre Dame, he played from 2010 to 2012. He put up 8 1840 receiving yards for a tight end. That's insane. 11 total touchdowns. Um, 13.1. You know, that's not as good as the 18 that Ebron had for Zach, but still, I mean, I mean, when you have 140 receptions uh, with 1840. Eighteen hundred and forty total yards. That is just insane in and of itself. Um, over the three seasons that he did it, how many? How many years did uh, Eric Ebron play?
1: Three.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, both of these tight ends are obviously good choices. Um, I t- I'll be honest yeah. with you. I totally forgot about Eric Ebron, but um, <laughs> Tyler, <laughs> yes. Iver, great choice.
1: Uh, facts, and you guys have been doing a outstanding job of voting and making y'all's voices heard so keep voting this one will be up as this episode comes out tomorrow afternoon so check it out make your voices heard you heard our arguments you can use this to make your choice or if you have a suggestion we've had a few people comment and message us people we left off we are sorry to all the people that we pissed off for not putting uh McCaffrey in our running back one I for we I hope you forgive us.
0: Christian McCaffrey, listen, he was good, and I'm not gonna apologize for that. I won't apologize for that. Are you joking? I think Fair our picks enough. were much better. Oh we, we both said that McCaffrey was in our top three. There's a reason he yeah. wasn't on our top, he wasn't our top four back.
1: That's that's true, guys. So don't question the experts on this plane. Um
0: we're not experts.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely not. But, yeah, so you guys – so right now, uh, Cam Newton won the quarterback. Uh, Saquon uh, won the running back by, I would say, a pretty significant amount. Uh, You know, and I believe J.J. Watt – yeah, and I believe J.J. Watt won the defensive end as well. So you guys have been – I don't – I really, really don't want to hear it. I mean, J.J. (laughs) Watt didn't win by much. He won by one vote on Instagram
0: i mean that's just one more person that is logical and uh logical thanks for his, his heart you know or her heart
1: we do we i think we i think we do have a lot of heart people and you know saquon dominated in on facebook uh jj watt dominated on uh facebook and cam newton won on both anyway so yeah. you guys are amazing on that keep sharing so more people can vote uh but we're gonna move to linebacker now this is gonna be Interesting.
0: No, no. Before that, I, I do want to throw in this uh and I don't know who this is gonna influence. Tyler Iford did have three tackles um while he played for Notre Dame. So that's uh, do, do, a really do you pretty wanna, guy.
1: Do do you want to get do you want to get your uh feelings hurt?
0: No. Please don't.
1: Um okay, I I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um we'll move on to linebackers so I don't have to hurt his feelings.
0: All right, you went first uh for yep. tight end. I'll go ahead and hit you with the first linebacker. I think this guy had to be in there, and if you don't have him on your list, then you're wrong. Um, I've got Tateo.
1: Oh, uh, I do not have him on my list. Wow, uh,
0: I'm a big I Notre Dame guy, obviously, so I've got Tyler Eifert and Um uh, I don't know. I mean, really? I mean, just really? What no. do you mean, really?
1: I have a Notre Dame linebacker, but it's not him.
0: What? His twenty. Yeah. His, oh, his 2011 season was insane.
1: I bet you both of mine had better years in 2011 than your guy. And his
0: twenty, his 2010 season was almost better. I mean, he well, not I'm not gonna say better. Um, he had he had more tackles though. You know, hey, over hey, over his hey, career, hey, hey, d- what's up?
1: Do, do you want do you want me to hurt your feelings? Don't please. The guy I'm gonna name first led the NCAA in tackles in 2010.
0: Okay, cool. See. Um,
1: he he led he leads the NCAA in career tackles. Led the incident play in tackles in, in 2011. Season.
0: In that season. And no, no.
1: Leads the incident play in career tackles, son. He all time. Mirdane, is that what you're saying? No, this guy didn't play for uh, Dame. This is my other guy. And he led, he led the ACC in tackles every single year he played.
0: Oh, cool. Oh, do we have the same guy?
1: You um, was told me to go ahead.
0: Yeah, go ahead. We We had Luke,
1: Luke keekley from yeah, he, Boston I him College him I is my number one linebacker. Son, this guy should have been first pick on anyone's list. What? We're
0: sitting here arguing. We had the same guy.
1: Yeah, dude, he had 532 tackles in three years.
0: So you didn't really hurt my feelings, you know? Dude, honestly.
1: that is insane, son. Two touchdowns.
0: 532. Two touchdowns. Yeah, two in touchdowns.
1: Period. So, and I already named guys – in total tackles, he led the ACC, his conference, every single year he played. Led the NCAA in two years, and has the most career tackles in, in ACC and NCAA history.
0: Here's a fun fact: uh, he returned two kicks. Yep. Don't know why.
1: Yep. I do. I mean, dude. And if you're going down, he was the he was a consensus All-American. Two of his three years, he was acc defensive player of the year in 2011 and he's won the lombardi award the ronnie lott award the dick buckus award and yeah. the and, and the bronco uh nagurski
0: award i'll be honest with you you this, started reading off his uh career accomplishments and i was like wait i've seen that before so i dude, just might switch my pages i was like what okay
1: i think okay this is gonna be bold i think luke Hickley has an argument to be the best linebacker in college football history
0: that is bold um but I mean, I well, see where you're coming from. I would say he's top five. Oh, for sure. I mean, reading off those stats, I don't know. That's he, it's he a led stain. the NCAA. He, I mean, he's third all time in tackles. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that's crazy.
2: Yeah, and that's between that's and between
0: all positions. That's not just linebacker. He is yeah. the third leading tackler of all time in the NCAA.
1: Yep. I mean, it's it blows my mind, bro. Uh, just straight up. And, I mean, so that was Brandon's second. So I guess I'll give my last one. Um I have Jalen Smith. Nope. From uh, Notre Dame. Nope.
0: No, not the right played, Notre Dame guy.
1: Played from 2013 to 2015. Um, you know, consensus All-American. Uh, won the Dick Busk Buckets Award. Um, you know, he led, he led the entire um, – I guess they don't have a conference, but they, he was number one in total tackles in 2015, second in 14. Um, you know, this, this dude was a – gee, I mean, like, let's compare stats. I mean, if you want to really go, I mean – Let's talk
0: about career tackles. He's got 284. He has 284 solo tackles. I'm talking about solo tackles.
1: 168 solo tackles.
0: So, Manta has 212 solo tackles. I know that it's better than yours because he's the number one in, in, in independence of all time. So, 212 uh, solo tackles, 437 career tackles.
1: Okay. How many uh, – he had 24 sacks as a linebacker, though, man.
0: Yeah, man, that's pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. That's
1: just a stout in the interception. Three force fumbles, three fumble recoveries. I mean – the kid was a beast, I mean, for a linebacker to have nine sacks, two straight years,
0: yeah, uh, I mean, i'm not going to argue there uh, that's great and,
1: and and i mean the the dude was more athletic and played all across you know all the different linebacker positions. You could split them out wide. He could be an edge rusher, more dynamic, more impact plays because sacks are more impactful than tackles they more force turnovers than manta Teal. Plus, he didn't have a fake girlfriend that he lied about.
0: I think that part's pretty cool. Do you? Yeah, everyone has a fake girlfriend, right?
1: Oh god, that's tough, my guy. Teo had tough.
0: seven interceptions for his career. They all came in 2012. For a linebacker, that's insane. That's, that.
1: I think interceptions you should be expect. Like, that's not you as that's not as
0: seven interceptions in a season. Not a
1: a season linebacker. i mean i mean he had one good like that's one year though you just said they all came in one season this is for we're looking at that careers the, here but
0: i mean that was the se- i mean okay he had all of his interceptions that season but i mean that was that was the year that he had his second least uh, amount of total tackles
1: how, okay how many years did Teo play four how many years did he have over 100 total tackles three <sighs> He played one more year. Okay, Jalen Smith played two and had over 110 tackles two of the years.
0: Well, I mean, Matt Tateo had over 110 tackles three years out of four.
1: Well, okay, so I guess that's pretty even, uh, I guess. Um, <laughs> I you guess. Know, I, mean, that, I mean, it is even. I mean, he, he got two out of three. He got three out of four. I mean, it's like if he played – he left as a junior. So, I mean, it, are you, he started his, his rookie year for the Cowboys and led that team in tackles. Are you telling me he wasn't going to get 100? He came I mean, back. Maybe. And hang on, do you want me to put something at you? If you remember, Jalen Smith tore his ACL in his bowl game, so he didn't even have that last game. You remember? He almost didn't get drafted because he missed his bowl game. I mean, yeah, that's tough. But. That is tough. But I think both of these guys are really deserving. We'll let you guys decide that one. We're not gonna put Luke Eakley up there because regardless of what y'all regardless of what y'all think, that dude is a stud. We'll put our tight end up there because Brandon picked a random dude that doesn't deserve to be Tyler there. Tyler Eifert, dude, I I literally just told you all the stats, and Eifert stats don't even come close.
0: That's not true. Okay. Other other than yards per catch, but I mean, or yards per reception. How much better was
1: Notre Dame than North Carolina?
0: uh very much what
1: what year did eifert play again uh
0: 2010 to 2012
1: so he went to the national championship
0: sounds like it
1: yeah unc might not have made bowl games
0: well yeah but i mean i think that if they would have they would have had a good tight end they probably would have made a bowl game you
1: know what i know our listeners aren't gonna fall for this bs that you're spitting at all
0: they will it's all about name recognition
1: That that's very true. They're definitely no, hang on. They're definitely gonna fall for the Mantate L BS, but I got I feel confident (laughs) about Ebron.
0: Okay, I feel
1: confident about Ebron.
0: Oh man. You're looking at it and pick Hunter Henry. I almost did.
1: Oh, I would have thrown up because he doesn't deserve to be in the conversation.
0: (laughs) Okay. Let's go ahead and move on. We we gotta get we gotta be done with this. Yes. Um, and we're going into our final segment of the day. Uh, we have, we're we not doing storyline today. I might have I said that we were. Uh, we're not doing storyline today. You know, there's a lot going on in bowl season. There always is. Uh, we'll try to hit you with some storylines later this week. But uh, to wrap up today's show, we have our Blue Bloods All-American team, and we are on to running back and defensive tackle. We both have two guys. I, I, and I know I say this every single time. I feel like we have the same two guys.
1: Yeah, I do too. Uh, yeah. Running back, I got Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, i got Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State. Uh, son, uh, if you know, don't think he ball- had
0: the best season this year, you're wrong.
1: He played for Oklahoma State guys and had over two thousand yards from scrimmage, he had, twenty-one mean, he touchdowns,
0: than anyone else in the country,
1: and played for the crappiest team out of all the top running backs.
0: He just didn't have an O-line, and he still made it and he did, No, not even that. He didn't have an O-line. His starting
1: quarterback got hurt, and the starting wide rec- and the best wide receiver on that team got hurt. So all the defenses were doing were stacking the box, and they still could not stop him. He is averaging like 160 yards per game.
0: Yeah, it's, it's crazy.
1: Guys, I'm sorry. He got snubbed at the Heisman. He got snubbed on the Doak Walker. This dude was the best running back this year by far.
0: Oh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, and there are arguments to say, oh, well, J.K. Dobbins, oh, well, uh, uh, Travis Etienne, uh, whoever else, no. Or Jonathan Taylor, no. Jonathan Taylor's career so far has been better. Chuba Hubbard's a sophomore. Chuba Hubbard is a sophomore. He's coming back next season, and he is going to put it on the NCAA yet again.
1: Yeah, there are there's going to be records in jeopardy, son.
0: <laughs> yeah, he'll be, he'll be in the college football category.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, and then moving on to defensive tackle, I know we have the same one because Brandon already knew who I was going to pick. Yeah. Uh, and he had to Derek win. Brown. Yeah. Derek Brown from Auburn. There win. wasn't another defensive tackle that deserved it more than him. There was no one that changed the game more than him. Um, I mean, dog, for a defensive tackle, 50 tackles, 12 for loss, four sacks four pass deflections, two forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries.
0: I mean, and you can, you can talk about Zach being a homer all you want. I know it's one of my favorite things to talk about. This guy. He forced two fumbles this season as a defensive tackle. He had 12 tackles for loss this season. I mean, this guy was a monster. If you watched this guy play, you knew that he changed the game. Zach, yeah, while he is a homer, is absolutely right about this guy.
1: Yeah, if we're talking defensive linemen, you, you got me. Chase Young, up there. But defensive tackles, there was none like Derrick Brown. Um, well, also, he won, yeah, he won the Ronnie Lott Trophy and was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year as a defensive tackle.
0: Yeah. That's, Bro,
1: do you know how many good defensive players are in the SEC? So many. So, I mean, that, that, that's outstanding for a defensive tackle to win this. And no one affected the game more than him. Uh, you know, uh, I am a homer. I will be Auburn forever. But if there was a better defensive tackle, uh, you guys know I would tell you. But there is not. And so Derek Brown is the defensive tackle Blue Bloods All-American.
0: All right. So we've got our two unanimous uh, Blue Bloods All-Americans no need to vote here. Um, I don't even, do we even vote for these? I feel like I should know.
1: No, we do not vote for these.
0: Yeah. These are just, these are just our, uh, we're right. You're wrong. Um, that's all you need to know. So that is our show today, guys. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for, uh, recommending to your friends. Thanks for, uh, rating us, uh, doing whatever else you do. And if you're not doing that, then what are you doing? So go ahead and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to this. We're available on all platforms, uh, not to brag. We have our social media up. Um, Zach, go ahead and plug that because we've got these uh, polls coming out.
1: Yes, guys. They'll be on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram, it is at the underscore Blue Bloods. Follow us on there. Um, on Facebook, it is at the Blue Bloods Pod. Um, you can find links, all that kind of stuff up everywhere. A lot of you guys already follow us on social media, so not really stressing about it. Um, you know, it's, you guys have been awesome. I mean, we are getting more people interacting day in and day out. We had a bunch of votes on these polls already. So shout out to you guys. Listens are going up you know, interactions are going up. You guys are the best. Hope you guys had a good holiday, but we back and we have content coming. So just at a rapid pace this next week. So be ready and make sure to listen.
0: Yeah. Be sure to tune in. We're not quite sure the schedule yet, but we will be sure to release that um, on our social media. Uh, So be able to be sure to keep up with that. Um, We've got more episodes coming out for every single bowl game. We're going to, or well, all the ones that we can anyway, Uh, we're going to cover as many as we can um, give you our full in depth coverage of those. But for now we are out.